Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, 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 I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word today, Father. I just pray, Lord, that as your word is delivered, that the Holy Spirit would fall upon those that are hearing your word, as it happened in the times of Peter, as he spoke, Lord, your word. The Holy Spirit fell upon those that heard him, Father. And I just pray that their hearts are, are tilled and, and ready to receive good seed, Father, this morning, and that it would never leave them the same, Lord, that it would truly change their mindset, their heart, Lord, how they speak, how they act, and how they think, Lord. Let your word transform us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. amen. So it's a two-part. I was deciding whether I was going to try and cover all of this uh, today, but there's no way I'm going to do that. So we may finish a little early, and then uh, next week I'll cover the second half of that. Uh, today is called Decision, Service, Rest, and Reward. And that's in, a, in order that way on purpose. Today we'll cover decision and service, and then we'll cover rest and reward. Rest and reward sounds better than decision and service, doesn't it? So we'll cover rest and reward uh, next week um, uh, as we continue through this word. If you did get your paper, if you didn't get a, a, a notes, you know, we hand out these notes and you get to, to fill in blanks and things like that. If you need one of those, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll get those to you. Thank you, Miguel. Uh, you know, Miguel's awesome. I don't know what you guys did, but he's amazing. This kid serves in every ministry, and he's very faithful and uh, just, you know, very quiet, but uh, he does everything that's asked of him, and uh, he's, he's a blessing to our church. He's, yeah, he's a tremendous blessing to our church. So, <laughs> and I love to embarrass him. So, <laughs> babe. <laughs> You want me to bring him up here so we can put him on in case there's somebody watching? <laughs> He's leaving. He's headed for the door. <laughs> Decision, service, rest, reward. We know that as a nation, uh, we, we must make some critical adjustments right now where we're at. Our government needs to change the mindset. You know, thank God that our Supreme Court right now, I don't, I don't like speaking politics from up here, and I'm not going to take a side or anything. Uh, I take the side of the kingdom of God and, and his word, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the law that I abide by. But, um, you know, we are pro-life. As, as Christians, we don't believe in, 
And that's why we support Grace House. And our, our Supreme Court was set up there by our previous administration. And, uh, and they're mainly conservatives. And they're passing some laws that are uh, kind of trying to pass some laws that are going to reverse some of these, uh, uh, you know, third trimester abortions and things like that. Uh, they're not getting it to where they're eliminating it, but at least they're making it a little better. And so continue to pray for, for our government and our Supreme Court uh, justices as they, as they attempt to do some of these things. But we need some adjustments in our government. We need some adjustments. You know, our inflation rate is just going through the roof. Thank God that I don't live by that. Yeah. Right? My economy is the economy of the kingdom of heaven, and it's not by a piece of paper with somebody's face on it. Right? It, it runs according to uh, how he blesses us and how he watches over us and how he keeps us. I would prefer to serve him poor than to be rich and not be in his kingdom. I'm going to say that again in just a little while. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, uh, and, but what we really need is a real change in the church. Uh, over the last year and a half, we've had some adjustments and some things that we've had to do with the, the face coverings, and some of us need to continue to do that, and what that makes you comfortable, I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. So we need to do what's right. I carry one in my car, so if I go into stores or go to places, a lot of places aren't even requiring it anymore, um, but some places are, and I just put it on to make others comfortable and, uh, you know, so that other people don't feel like I'm, I'm doing anything to, to put them in harm's way. So uh, we are part of a community, and we want to continue to do that. But between that and then the, you know, uh, not being able to meet, and they shut down the whole nation, and then they opened up again, and then there were 50% capacity, and then there, you know, and then people, we started doing this, the, the streaming, which we were already streaming, but we uh, started streaming. For three months, I stood here, I was talking to uh, Pastor James from uh, journey on Thursday and he and, and you know he's kind of a, he's younger than I am and and I thought that he would be kind of cool about the whole streaming thing and uh so he was like I hated it I just I didn't I was sitting in a room empty and you're speaking into a camera you know and and and, and for me thank thank God for Gus that he stands back there and at least nods his head <laughs> I don't know if he's just a bobblehead, if he's agreeing with me, but this just helped me through the whole three months because he would go like this, like, yeah, you're preaching, Pastor Rick, keep going, you know, and uh, that helped me a lot while he was back there, and we had our worship team was here during that time, but nobody else was here, and we tried to bring uh, the best absolute service that we could uh, through streaming, and, uh, and we did it for three months. It was probably very, the most difficult three months of ministry that I've ever had, uh, we've had some other difficult times in our 33 years of serving, but um, 30 years of serving. I've been a Christian 33 years. I think we served together, you and I, for, for 30 years now. We've been serving in ministry. Man, that's a long time. But um, so we, we did everything that we could during that time. But when we noticed when we came back, everybody kept saying, it'll never be back the way it was. And I agreed with them. Because I didn't want it back the way it was. I don't know about you, but I didn't want it back the way it was. I want it better. Right? I want people more dedicated to the kingdom. I want people that love God more. I want people that preach the gospel to the lost more. I wanted things to be different. So the church, not just the nation, but the church, the church was shaken and pruned. You know, scriptures about, about being pruned and being cut. And, the, you know, the branches are being cut, but the vine is Jesus. And where are the branches? And he prunes. And he was pruning. And we talked about the remnant. 
We talked about how there's just a few left. This room was jam-packed. We, had to, we were about to buy more chairs when this whole thing started. And, and he shook the church. And, and some didn't stick. Some didn't cling. Some didn't hang on. Some still have an opportunity to. Some are so far on the outside that they may not ever come back. And that's a shame. But it's a fact. But see, I'm not focused on what's on the outside. See, Moses uh, uh, had this opportunity several times. When the millions of people were in the desert and 250,000 of them spread out across the uh, outside of the group of people because they did not want to be part of what was happening and they didn't want to follow Moses. And the ground opened up and swallowed them. Thank God that's not what it is now, right? But will he? Right? He loves us. He's always going to give us a chance to get back in the fold. So there are many teachings uh, that can help us make these adjustments and teachings that can help us uh, come back or help us to reconnect or to be better than we are right now. I don't know about you, but the, the biggest room in the house is the room of improvement. Yes. We could always be better. You can't be a good enough Christian that you can't be better. Right? right? We're always growing. We're always uh, uh, you know, trying to be holier and better, and, and we're always trying to be more like God. We'll never achieve that. We could live a million years, but we should always be striving and moving in that direction. Amen. You know, sometimes people say, my weakness is this, and, you know, I have this weakness, and I have that weakness. Well, the Bible says that your weakness is his strength. So sooner or later, that weakness has to be put in your past, become a strength, and then you have to face the next one. But don't stay in the one that you're at. You end up stuck there. Doing the same thing over and over again. And sooner or later, you get used to it. And that's the last thing you want to do is get used to sin. Decision. Yes, Pastor Rick, please move on. Decision. Ruth chapter 1. We're going to go through the book of Ruth. How many of you excited about that, right? We're going to go through the book of Ruth. I'm going to read a lot today. Uh, some of it I may skip over, but um, in, in your notes... Uh, I, some of it I didn't put it all. I just put the scripture and I put a few uh, 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 scriptures and then I said read. Next to it says read and it says read the rest of it on your own because I couldn't fit all the scriptures on that little piece of paper. So Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judge, judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. Hmm. And his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Now, you just read that and it just seems like, okay, there was, there was a famine. There was nothing to eat. They just went to the next city because there was food to eat there. But that's not what's going on here. You have to look at all these names and you have to look at all the types and the shadows that are in these scriptures. Elimelech from Bethlehem, Judah. Elimelech means my God is king was the father's name. Bethlehem is house of bread. Now, they were going through a, a, a famine and there was no food. So here we are in Bethlehem called the house of bread, and there wasn't any bread or hardly any. And then they were from Judah. Judah means praise from the root word yada, which means to shoot like an arrow or throw forth your hand in a gesture of giving. Does that sound familiar? 
The same word is used when Abraham says, I raise my hand to the Most High God and I give my tithes and offering to Melchizedek. When he does that, when, when the, the bread and the wine comes from heaven, can you imagine how good that bread and wine must have been? I mean, what kind of baker do they have up there? Or winemaker do they have in heaven? So he, he sent this down when he threw up his hand, when he did yada, right? When he praised so our God is king, and we're from the house of bread, and we stretch forth our hand to the Most High God through our giving of our praise and our tithes and our offerings. That's why we do this. We throw up our hand. You know, some people say, are you one of those, those hallelujah churches, you know, charismatic, raising? We do. If, you, if you're not comfortable with that, you don't have to. Everybody praises in their own way, right? Everybody has their own way of praising, and we don't, you know, but we do raise our hands around here. We do clap our hands. We do cheer for our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. So uh, Naomi, Naomi is his delight. Aren't these awesome names? Right? Elimelech, my God is king, married his delight. Elimelech and Naomi were born during the time of God's blessings. You can tell by their names. Spoken, spoken in Deuteronomy 28, which we're going to read in just a moment. Hence, their names. But their sons, however, were born in the beginning of the famine. Hence, their names. Malon means sick. Come here, sick. Come here, sick. Sick, what are you doing? And Chilion, pining with means, wasting away and languishing, consumed by lack of food. Basically, hungry. I have two sons. Their names sick and hungry. Wow. The naming of their children says something about the condition of their hearts at that time. They were upset with, they weren't in faith anymore. They were, they were suffering need. Isn't it hard to have faith when you're suffering need? We've been teaching on faith for, for a couple of weeks here. It's harder to have faith when you're suffering need. But you know, faith is never discovered or revealed unless there's a need. You don't need faith when things are good. You don't need faith when you're healthy. You don't need faith when, you're, when you have money. You don't need faith when, you know, your family's all serving the Lord. You don't need faith for that. It's already there. But when things don't go right, your only way out is faith. The naming of their children says something about condition of their heart at the time. And they truly, trusting God's faithfulness, I believe they would have, by faith, named their children differently. Don't you think? The blessing is coming or, you know, something. Manna, <laughs> right? It's going to fall out of the sky again or something. I don't know what they would have said or how they would have named their children. So even though there was a famine, there also was a promise to those that live obeying the, va- the voice of the Lord and, and his commandments. And that promise is in Deuteronomy 28. And we're not going to read that just yet. We're going to get there. I'm going to keep mentioning that scripture and then we're going to read it. But Elimelech could have chosen to wait on God according to the promise in Deuteronomy 28. But he chose not to. Now, he's the priest of his home. He's the head of his home. He determines what they're going to do. So I don't know if, if Naomi said we're hanging out or if, if sick and hungry said, hey, we're staying here. You know, I don't know what, what happened there, if there was a back and forth. But Elimelech made his mind up and he said, nope, we're, we're moving. We're moving to Moab. My wife grunts because she knows exactly what it is. Moab means of his carnal 
father. Not spiritual or heavenly father, but his carnal father. All the kids are in their, in their class, right? The city of Moab is descendants of Lot. Lot's daughters noticed their dad getting old and decided to take matters in their own hands and get their dad drunk and have incestuous, I can't even say it, relations with him to keep their lineage alive. Carnal. Thus the foundation of these people was by their own doing and not God's. Incest. Carnal. Moab was also a place with many idols. I think we're going through something similar right now in our nation. We've idolized CDC. What are they saying now? What's the government saying now? When can we go out? When can we do this? When can we do that? It's good information, but I'm not going to let it reform me. You can inform yourself, just don't let it reform you. <laughs> but God is giving us a chance to return to the house of bread, to Bethlehem, to the church, and the place of praise by stretching out our hand then a blessing will be poured out like in Deuteronomy 28. But we must make a decision. This is the problem. We're not making a decision. We're just, we're just living. We're in limbo. We've been in limbo for a year and a half. Do we do this? Do we do that? What are they saying about this? How can we do that? Can we go out and do this? Can we do that? Can we gather in the churches? Churches have too many people in them. There's not enough room. They're not six feet apart. We're not. I went to the beach, and there's a sign that says, stay 10 feet apart. I said, I'm outside. The wind is blowing. I feel better at the beach because I think there's, there's something about the wind in the beach that, that, that cleanses. My mother-in-law says it cleanses your soul. When she visits here, if she's not at the beach, you know, uh, after a couple of weeks of being with us, she says, we got to go to the beach. i got to go cleanse my soul. <laughs> I like that. Right? We've been uncertain. Remember the video before, Uncertainty? I don't know if Gus really read through all my notes and saw that and picked the video that way, but uh, when, when it said uncertainty, I was like, man, I think he knows something. We have been uncertain. That's almost the opposite of faith. Yes. To be uns I am certain of who he is. Yes. I am certain of what he said. And these... Jews from Bethlehem were certain of the promise in Deuteronomy 28. They were certain of it. Yet their uncertainty of being hungry, because that'll move you, won't it? It'll move me to shorten my preaching if I get too hungry up here. <laughs> right? We'll have to end because I got to go because I'm getting my stomach starting to growl. That's okay. It's my granddaughter. All right? I get hungry. And, it, it, you know, that uncertainty of being hungry. They didn't know. Do I stay here? Is, is the wheat going to grow tomorrow? Are we going to have bread? This is called the house of bread. Why don't we have bread? And we ask all these questions instead of just trusting God. They didn't trust God. We as people have a decision to make. We're going to take matters into our own hands or are we going to trust God and live in his blessing? See, I chose house of bread. I stretched out my hand and I gave my tithes and offerings. 
make your way back away from Moab and the idols that are in Moab. We have idols. You, you think that an idol is just a figure? Like something that we build and, you know, a saint or something like that out of ceramic or gold or silver or, or you know, it could be, an idol could be anything. Anything that goes before God. Anything that you put before God. God should be your number one. Anything you put before that becomes your idol. And Moab was a place of many, many idols. I think some of us have gone to Moab because things got a little weird. Things got a little, I've never experienced anything. If you're uh, under 100 years old, you've never experienced what we've just experienced in the last year and a half. It's never happened before. And if you were part of the, the, the Spanish flu, then, then you know, you're, you've lived to be over 120 years old already, <laughs> right? Because it was much worse back then. Millions and millions and millions. They didn't have what we have today. Millions and millions of people died. This has happened before several times. Leprosy. All kinds of diseases and things that came into the earth through man's sin. It's happened before. But it doesn't move me. The only way it's going to move me is if it moves me from here to there. <laughs> right? That's the only way it's going to move me if it moves me from here to there. I, don't, I, I have to be here. And you go, oh, yeah, you do. You're the pastor here. That's not why I'm here. Even if I wasn't, I'd be sitting in that chair every single Sunday. I'd be here every Wednesday for Hour of Power. I would be here for everything that, that the doors would open up for. My wife would confer, concur with that because I was always the one in the church. I went to the seniors prayer service. On, uh, I was 18 years old or 19, and I was going to the seniors prayer service on Saturday morning. It was for seniors, and I went anyway. <laughs> I was like, the door's open. I'm going to church. Choose the house of bread. Make your way back away from Moab and the idols we have created and stick it out in the land of promise. See, a promise is not something that just happens. A promise is something that's coming. It's future. Stick it out, the promise that's on its way. So now we're going to move into Ruth chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. And I skipped a little bit. It's just the part where her sons, both her sons, marry Moabite women. Um, uh, they marry Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah. And husband die. Elimelech, the two sons, sick and hungry. Um, one died of sickness and the other one died of hunger. It's <laughs> not good. Um, they, they all died in, in Moab. Think they made the right decision? And we pick up here in Ruth chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. It says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. They just lost everything. Their husbands, uh, you know, everything is no longer there. So, and Orpah, they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and Ruth clung to her. And he said, and she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Naomi's telling or, uh, uh, Ruth, Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, and we know this scripture very well. We've used it in weddings and things like that. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God 
not God's, because she was a Moabite woman. She knew there was only one God at this point. Naomi had, had discipled her. And your God, my God, where you die, I will... That's commitment. There's no uncertainty in that, is there? Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a wonderful phrase. What, there's such confidence in her following basically her ex-mother-in-law because her, her you know, and, and back then, if a brother died and there was another brother that wasn't married, you would marry that brother and you would go through the family that way. But there was nobody left. And I don't know exactly what uh, uh, Naomi was feeling or thinking. Maybe she thought, well, they're all dead. I don't have to listen to him anymore, so I'm going to go back. Maybe she didn't want to be in Moab. I don't know. But she went back, and she told the, the two uh, 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 daughters-in-law that, hey, you don't have to go with me. I don't have any more family. I don't have any more brothers, any more sons back home that you could go marry. You could stay here in your, in your land and what you're accustomed to and what you're used to and what makes you comfortable. You can stay right here. But Ruth made a decision to cling and not to kiss. Everybody say kiss. Isn't that nice? A kiss. Right? A kiss. I don't know about you, but every time I read the Bible and I read something about a kiss, it's not good. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Orpah turned her back on her mother-in-law with a kiss. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye. I'm not going back with you. But not Ruth. Ruth clung to her. After what she said, where you die, I will die. Where, you, where they bury you, I will be buried. Your God shall be my God. Those are big words. She decided that she was going to stay with her. She didn't kiss. Some of us has kissed the church goodbye. Think about that for a moment. Because it's nice. A kiss is nice. And there's good reason. Because this has been said and the governor and the president. And, and, and we should listen. These, these are things that in some cases help us. But if they go against this. Thank God that we don't live in a country where people regulate what we're doing here this morning. There are countries out there that they would cut me into little pieces and put me in the middle of the plaza to show everybody what, the, what they did to the preacher for preaching Jesus. And that's not an exaggeration. We know of a pastor in a certain country that was preaching the gospel and they cut him up in little pieces and put him out in front of his son's school so that when his son was released from school, he would see his dad in pieces in the middle of the road. That's, tr that's a true story. It happens everywhere. And people still go to church. They still go underground. They hide their, they, they, they uh, about, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, we started sending uh, uh, drywall to certain countries that weren't using drywall. They built everything out of concrete. And so they started using drywall. And what they did was they, they would have a wall like this that's already there. And they would come out a couple of feet and build the frame and put the drywall. And in between the drywall and the wall that was already there, they would stuff Bibles. And we would send them Bibles. And they would sneak them into the country and they would put them 
behind these walls. And they would put up the drywall. And then on Sunday, they would open a hole and they would pull out a few Bibles and hand them to people. And then they would go to their town and then so that there wasn't a whole bunch of them so they wouldn't get caught. They would give the Bible from one couple. And whoever had that Bible in their house risked their life to have it. How many? I, got, I collect Bibles. You know, I got shelves and shelves of Bibles in there. Nobody's going to come after me to kill me because I own those. Yet they took the risk to have the word of God in their home. And they would pass them. And sometimes they would take out Matthew or take out youth, Luke. And then they would give each other little pieces of it so that they can read it in their homes. They were clingers. That's what's missing in our, in our church, in our kingdom, in our, you know, in our country. are clingers. People with grit. People who hang on no matter what. I love God and he loves me and he did everything for me and he promised me this and I'm going to hang on. Even if I'm hungry, he promised me food. I may be hungry tomorrow. I may be hungry the next day. I may be hungry for a week. I may be hungry for a month. But eventually, my God will show up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if he doesn't show up, then we'll burn. But we won't uh, uh, betray our God. Clingers. Clingers. Not kissers. Clingers. I want to be under the list of clingers, not kissers. Hmm. Ruth made a decision. Confesses her wanting to go to the house of bread and remain faithful to God's delight. Naomi. See, our decisions that we make today affect our tomorrow. If you're in a bad place today, look back at your decisions. I have a little teaching that I've done here and I've done it at the, at the prisons and I've done for the, uh, uh, the teenage drug addicts at the RAP program at Stuart Marchman. I uh, used to be a mentor there and volunteered my time and I always taught uh, the triple D. Decision determines destiny. And I would tell the kids, I said, you know, you guys are in here. One, t- one time I brought Chris Salamone used to go to church here. Uh, uh, he moved to Alabama, but he was a police officer in New Smyrna, motorcycle, and then he moved to detective. And he tattoos everywhere. He's just the coolest guy you ever met. And he was, he was a motorcycle police officer at the time, and I invited him. Good Christian guy, loves the minister. I said, why don't you come to the rap program with me? So he's in his garb. Right? He's got his whole motorcycle outfit on. You know, and he had to take, and he gets, he gets there, right? And they tell him, you can't bring your gun in. You can't bring any weapons in or whatever. So he opens his motorcycle thing, locks everything up. And then he goes, oh, I forgot. And he starts to pull a knife out of, you know, they wear those boots. Pull a knife out of his boot. And then another knife. I was like, bro, <laughs> what are you doing, man? He's like pulling all these things out of, you know. So he puts it all in his, in his motorcycle. And I bring him in. And the, I had just won the hearts of these teenagers. I mean, they were just starting to kind of, you know, they, they called me Pastor Rick. They found out I was a pastor, so they called me Pastor Rick. and said, Pastor Rick, you know, because they, they found out about my teenage life and the things that I had done. And uh, so then I'm, now I'm, I'm kind of cool, you know. I'm old, but I'm kind of cool. And uh, I'm kind of hip. I'm not square anymore. So <laughs> they all think, well, I know them. <laughs> they was like, what? Um, so I bring in Chris. Oh, Pastor Rick. Why would you bring a pig in here? That's what they said. Right to his face. And he laughed. And I said, well, he's going to share something with you guys. So he started talking to them. 
And he shared when he was in a, in a police car that he used to go around and give kids, little kids, rides in his car. <laughs> and one of the kids goes, I know you. He goes, I live in New Smyrna. I know you. He goes, you're one of the good ones. And now they all kind of settled down because he was kind of the lead kid in the group. You know, there's always a leader in prison and rehabs and stuff. And he was kind of the leader kid. And so they all kind of leaned. And then they were every week, where's Chris? Where's Chris? They're asking for him to come back, you know. But I taught this decision determines destiny. And I told them, I said, look, police officers are not the reason why you're in here. Because they blame them. Your parents, even though there's, you know, some there that, that you know, your environment uh, kind of reflects on who you become. But your decisions still put you here. You decided to smoke pot. You decided to sell, you know, crack on the corner. You decided to do these things that put you in this place. Your decision put you here. And in the same way, your decision will get you out of here. Your decision has put you on a road to disaster. But your same decisions could put you on a road to blessing. Everything could change by one decision. I'm going to give you some basic ones. Decisions that affect your future. And this is the ones that I would teach them. I would say, number one is choose your friends with caution. You can write that on your notes if you're keeping that. Choose your friends with caution. See, Job's friends, if you know the story of Job, uh, you know, uh, he was attacked by the, by the devil and his wife died and got sick. And, uh, you know, he was losing everything. And his friends come along and says, why do you keep serving this God that's just letting you get all the... Those are not the kind of friends you want. Those are not the kind of friends you want. Those are the ones who you want to sing that song. Bye, bye, bye. How's that go? How's it go? You guys know how it goes. You're just being quiet. Nobody wants to sing it. They're sitting at home right now streaming. They're singing it and they're sitting on their couch just singing the song. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you do with these friends. You say, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. You thought you were strong in the Lord. Be careful who you, you uh, hang out with. And then my little saying that always went with, the triple D was, you hang out with dogs with fleas, you get fleas. Right? You might be the holy one in the group, but you hang around long enough, you're going to become like them. Number two, plan your future with purpose. See, this is what we're not doing right now. Without uncertainty, waiting on the world to decide for you. Right. We're sitting here with this uncertainty, waiting on what's going to happen next. Is this whole COVID thing going to disappear? All of a sudden, tomorrow, we're going to wake up and it's going to be on the news that we're free. I don't need the news to tell me I'm free. Right. I'm already free. Amen. Right? I don't need the government to tell me I'm free. I'm already free. Now, do we adjust ourselves according to our community and to what's happening in our state and in our, in our country? Yeah, there's some adjustments that need to happen there. And we need to be respectful and honor our, our leadership. That's what the Bible teaches us, and we need to do that. But, man, I'm, not, I'm a clinger. 
So since I'm clinging to the things of God and I'm clinging to the church and I'm clinging to what God has called me to do, I'm, not, I'm planning my future with purpose. I'm not waiting. See, <laughs> the purpose for my future is to fill these chairs. And not with people from another church because that's not growing the church. That's only swelling it. Because the church moves over there and then, oh, there's a preacher over there. He's really good. Let's go over there. The music over there is really good. And the church swells. Oh, look how we're growing. You're not growing unless lost people are giving their lives to Jesus. Unless you're baptizing 10 or 15 people at the beach. You're not growing. The church, the kingdom of God is not growing unless unsaved people are getting saved. That's what I want in these chairs. I still have a plan for the future. I'm just not going, let's open on Sunday so that people have a, a, you know, a place to come until the government decides what we're going to do. Because I don't know. What if they tell us we can't have church anymore? Come to my house too. Anybody else want to have church in their house? And they met house to house every day. That's what it says in the book of Acts. The book of Acts doesn't end, you know. We are Acts 29. It doesn't end. It's still being written today. The question is, are you part of the book? Am I meeting, are people meeting in my house? Are people getting saved? Are people's lives being changed because my life was changed? Let me quote Thomas Carlyle. He's a Scottish philosopher. I believe he was uh, a believer. He said, The man without purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a waif, a nothing, a no man. Have a purpose in life, and having it, throw such strength of mind and muscle into your work as God has given you. Strength and muscle. Do something. If you have a future and you have a purpose for your future, do something. Let's not just have, oh, I have vision. We have vision for the future. We could see this. I have vision for the future of this church. I have vision for the future of my life. I have vision for the future of my marriage. I have vision for the future of my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. I have vision for the future. So since I have vision, that must be enough. No, I got to put strength and power and work into what I'm expecting to happen. I got to react to my purpose. I got to, let me put that differently. Let me act upon my purpose instead of react. Funny how the Holy Spirit corrects you when you're speaking. Have a purpose in life and having it, throw such strength of mind and muscle into your work as God has given to you. Do something for your future. Proverbs 29, 18, very familiar. This is in the King James, where everybody knows it. Where there's no vision, the people perish. In the Message Bible, it says they're scattered and they run around stumbling all over each other. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Psalms 20, verses one, uh, verses, verse 4. says, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill your, all your purpose. All your, fulfill your heart's desire and all your purpose. That's, we've missed that. We have no more desire in our heart. We've kind of lost that. We go to work. We're careful how we work. We go here. We go there. We go to the store. We, but we're, you know, I don't know. What's going to happen next? What is the world going to do? We're just waiting around. 
waiting for CNN to tell me what to do next. Number three, frame your, wor your world with faith. And as I said, CNN, it says here, not news. <laughs> frame your world with faith. See, let's begin to have faith in God and ourselves. To frame our world with faith, we must continually be in his word. It's a frame. It covers all the outskirts, everything. You can't get outside of your picture of your life without going through the frame, without going through the word. We need to begin to have faith in ourselves. You know, we tend to have faith in others. We have faith in his word, and then we have no faith in ourselves. Frame your world with faith. God believes in you. Now you need to believe in you. If God, the creator of heaven and earth, believes in you, who are you to argue with him? Believe in faith when I'm about to speak over you and make a decision to follow him and obey him. And these things shall overtake you. And we're going we're gonna to actually, um, we're only going to cover decision today and I'll cover service, rest, and reward uh, next week. But I want to I read this scripture over you. Deuteronomy 28, I've mentioned it several times, 1 through 14. If you wouldn't mind, would you please stand to your feet as I read this? Now it shall come to pass. There's no doubt. Now it shall come to pass. And say it again. Now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, God bless you, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, and the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you listen you can't fight them off you can't if you follow god if you stay in the in, in the land of, of of bread in the house of bread if you decide to cling these blessings and these promises will overtake you it's not like you're gonna say okay i gotta go get the no it's like a what you ever seen those you're, you're standing at the beach you're about to take a picture or something and a huge wave just boom knocks you down and you're rolling around like a beached whale on the floor you know and you're trying to get your <laughs> you're trying to catch your breath that's how it's going to be. You're going to be so overtaken by the blessings of God that you're going to, just give me a break. Give me a minute. Let me catch my breath. Give me a minute. Why? Because I clung to God. I clung to his message. I clung to his church. I clung to what he said. I didn't just kiss and walk away because somebody scared me with some kind of news. I clung. And it, it overtook me. And it shall overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. That covers everybody here, right? You either live in the city or the country. Blessed shall be in the fruit of your body. The produce, that's your children. The produce of your ground and the increase of your herds. The increase of your cattle, your bank account and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Talk about bread. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies 
who rise against you to defeat before your face, they shall come out against you one way and flee, flee before you seven ways. Woo! The Lord will command the blessing, command the blessing on you in your storehouses, your future, your savings, your retirement plans, whatever it is that you got going on there, your storehouses, and in all to which you set your hand. Do something, set your hand to something, and it will be blessed. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Not the land that you leave because there's no bread, but the land that he set you in. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. That fear is a level of respect. It's not like, oh, I'm so scared. Like when you fear the Lord, it's a level of respect. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground. In the, he repeats himself. And in the land in which the Lord swore, swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open up your, his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain in your land in its season. And to bless all the work of your hand, you will lend to many nations, and you will not borrow There's your debt going right out the window. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. Above only. He has the word only. Above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods or to serve them. Can I shorten that by saying, if you cling. If you cling. If you cling. It's time to quit waiting. It's time to quit flip-flopping. It's time to cling. It's time to hang on. It's time to remove. You know, it's a year and a half of garbage that's been fed to us. I watched the news too. I had to stop. It was affecting my life, my heart. My relationship with God was affected because of what I was feeding it. I had to wash my mind with the water of the word, as it says. I like to use the word brainwash. I don't mind being brainwashed by God. He can have it. <laughs> right? Thank you, Jesus. Anxiety, depression, oppression. All these things. Why? We're uncertain. People who have never suffered these things are suffering them today. The medication that we're all on. Listen, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I've had to take something myself. Is that okay? Can I be open with you this morning? Can we, can we edit that? No, right? And I realize, what's going on? I'm being uncertain. I don't know what's going on next. I don't know where we're going from here. Yes, I do. I've had a vision before COVID. Yeah. And it, it's not taking it from me. We are in this city. We're in this town. We're in this county. We're in this state for a purpose. And we're going to fulfill that purpose. Yeah, yes. We're going to fulfill that purpose. 
It's not going to be stolen from us. Were we uncertain for a time? Yes. I'm encouraging you today as your pastor. It's time to get rid of that uncertainty and to cling to the house of bread. Because it is just that. God would not call it the house of bread unless there was bread or going to be bread. Right? You may feel like there's no bread right now, but man, it's on its way. And it's better than any bread that Moab could have ever made. Any bread that it, a, 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 a town that was made out of incest, that's carnal, that has many gods. I, I'd rather be hungry. Leave me hungry in Bethlehem. Leave me hungry in Bethlehem. Amen? Thank you, Lord, this morning. I just pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Right now, we remove all uncertainty. We remove all worry. We remove all uh, uh, complacency. We've been so complacent over these last year and a half. We've been just laying around waiting and waiting. Lord, you have not changed. You did not change your, your, your plan for this earth. You did not change your purpose and destiny for our lives. Nothing changed. With you. You're still sitting on the throne, Lord. You're still in charge. Large and in charge, Lord. And nothing has changed that. So we refuse to kiss. And we commit to cling today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.